Hey, friends and fans, this time on Hitting the Mark, I'm Jeffrey Mark. We're going to be talking about my friend William Asher and the incredible, iconic TV show, Bewitched. Keep listening. So the show comes back for its sixth season without Mrs. Kravitz, really, without Aunt Clara, and now with a new Darren. The other guy they almost hired the first time around, Dick Sargent. Mm -hmm. There's a new orchestration to the theme song. It's got new opening graphics. And Bill Asher and Elizabeth Montgomery take control of the show at this point. These, the Darren seasons, they own outright. They uh, took over as the producers and uh, own literally owned the show where they are partners in the other shows from this point forward, they own them. Problem is, they were running out of ideas. Dick Sargent was a handsome man, a good actor, but he couldn't play the comedy. He was becoming as annoying as Sandy Gould's Mrs. Kravitz. There was no tenderness. There was no fun in his version of, 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 of uh, Darren. He was always put upon. There was no... Dick York's Darren saw the funny side of stuff. Dick York's Darren was romantic and sexy. Dick Sargent's Darren was just a pain in the neck. And it shouldn't ever be a consideration in acting. But Dick Sargent was gay. And perhaps he just couldn't have the spark with Liz that Dick York could. Perhaps. Bill and Liz liked Dick Sargent. In fact, when Dick Sargent finally came out, Liz was there to support him as a friend. The last seasons of the show with Dick are not as good. They run out of ideas. They take the show on location to Salem. Yeah. To talk about the witch trials. They yeah. take the show to Europe. Like they took the Ricardos to Europe. They take, they take uh, the Stevenses to Europe on a European tour. Uh, they're okay. It gets them out of that house. It kind of leaves my friend Erin Murphy behind because she and the new child um, don't get Adam? Adam don't get shown very much in the last <clears throat> seasons <throat> because the parents are always away. And they introduced the character of Esmeralda, that she's the new witch who screws up her spells and causes bad things to happen, almost exactly the same way Anne Clara did. Mm -hmm. Except, and again, my friend, Alice Ghostly, may she rest in peace, was too much like Paul Lind in their deliveries. In fact, Paul Lind stole his from Alice. It was Alice who talked like this originally. Oh, dear. And they were in a Broadway show together in the early 50s. And Paul walked in not talking like that and walked out talking like that. Oh, wow. Except for one film, uh, Joan Rivers' Rabbit Test. You never see them on the same show together because it's, 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 the, it's a mirror. They're, they're both doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> and I adored Alice. Um, but she didn't have Aunt Clara's heart. And eventually they, they kind of let her go out of the show too. 
Uh, if you watch them in your memory, it seems like she's always there. No, she isn't. After a while, they realize, no, this isn't working too well either. The last season of the show is almost completely rewritten versions of earlier episodes. Sometimes the dialogue is word for word. Yeah. And sometimes it's word for word, I love Lucy. There's an episode, and I think it's a season five episode, where Samantha loses her powers because she's still married to this mortal. And Uncle Arthur and Serena support her and lose their powers. So they go to work, not at a candy factory, at an ice cream factory where they're dipping bananas in chocolate. The dialogue is word from word the episode where Lucy and Ethel are in the chocolate factory. Oh, how they did, how, how Jess Oppenheimer and Bob Madeline, Bob and Madeline, the writers of I Love Lucy, Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, Martin Davis, Bob Carroll Jr. did not sue, how CBS didn't sue for using the same dialogue uh, only because of their affection for Bill Asher. Wow. Because the right would have been a writer's guild biggie to sure. steal whole chunks of dialogue like that. So by the last season, Samantha's bring her hair parted in the middle, long and straight. She's wearing hip hugger jeans. She's wearing mod clothing. They changed culturally. The world had changed and they ran out of ideas. And finally they decided they could have come back for another season. Liz had had enough. Liz had had enough about a lot of things. Show got put aside. Bill started two shows the next season. The Paul Lynn show, the same old show redone again, and the temperature's rising. He's directing and producing two shows at once, and he wasn't home. And Bill said it was the stupidest mistake I ever made. I should have seen that my wife was unhappy and alone. And Liz began to have an affair with one of the directors. I won't mention his name of Bewitched. I know who it is, but the affair didn't last, but it broke up the Asher's marriage. Uh, Bill came home. Now, this is Bill's version of this, right? I never asked Liz her version of it, but his version is he came home from work one day producing these two shows and Liz's clothing and jewelry were gone. Her bank account was emptied out and she did not live there again and barely or any time saw her children. Everything was done through lawyers. Uh, Bill did not know where Liz was. And when Liz finally came home and said, all right, I had my fling, I've had enough. Bill said, I can't, I can't trust you anymore. And the marriage was over and that was that. 1164 Morning Glory Circle in uh, West Point, Connecticut. Where did they get that idea from? Was it just some random thing? They got the Westport thing from I Love Lucy. That's where Lucy and Ricky eventually bought their house. Okay. Westport, Connecticut is still a bedroom community to New York City. It is where, in those days, wealthy Protestant people, when I say wealthy, upper middle class, what used to be called upper middle class, people who weren't rich, but were making very nice livings, 
could perhaps afford a one or two bedroom apartment in Manhattan can afford a house in Westport and a nice house. But Westport was also known the same way Pasadena was known, bastion of conservatism. So for Lucy and Ricky to live there was an inside joke. No Cuban could have gotten into that place in the 50s, no matter how famous he was. And in the 60s, here is this bastion of Protestant conservatism. And here comes this witch and her relatives. <laughs> so that's the joke. That's why the destination is chosen so that it would be a fish out of water story right from the beginning. Interesting. Hanna-Barbera also did the, uh, the opening credits, which is kind of interesting, I thought. Well, they're iconic. They yeah. set the show up. And uh, baby boomers might remember that mm -hmm. every year the theme song changed. The song didn't change. The orchestration changed. When Bewitched went into syndication, for whatever reasons, they used only the first season music for the opening of the show until the Dick Sargent episodes, and then they used the first season of that one. Has changed the name. Well, it was written by Howie Greenfield and Jack yeah. Heller. But the orchestration changed depending upon who was doing the music that year. And the music changes. And it's, it's wonderful music. And then, of course, what we don't see in syndication or on Nick at Night through the years or on platforms today or on the DVDs they released, gosh darn it, is that the sponsors were part of the animated opening. So in the beginning, it was Samantha on a Chevrolet sign sitting on it. And you heard da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, which is see the USA in your Chevrolet. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Bling, 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 bling. See, the theme song kind of melds into that. Uh, when it was Burry's Cookies or Oatmeal, then it was a different animated opening. But they cut all of that out once the shows were first. Huh. But it's a very iconic thing. Most people, even if they don't know the show all that well, can look, oh, look, Bewitched, because they like the music. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I just and remember her on the broom writing Bewitched in the sky. And yeah, the that was my, jumping was my ex wifes used car. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, talk a little bit about Danny Arnold, who later went on to do uh, the Barney Miller show. He was the, one of the producers in the first season. They hired wonderful people. Uh, Bill was too busy with the beach blanket stuff to be full-time producer on the show in the beginning. So he was a production consultant, I think was his first and second seasons before he would be a producer, executive producer kind of thing. They hired wonderful people with good senses of humor to make the show run, to make the show... Uh, be consistent. A television producer can mean all kinds of things, especially today. Anybody who works on the show for more than five minutes is given a producer credit uh, because it's more money. So the producer of a sitcom like Bewitched is the show on budget. Who are we hiring to play these characters? Are we saying something in this script that countermands something we said in that script? Are the characters the same from episode to episode? Are we are being consistent in the writing? 
and he needed people who were very, very good at it. And Danny Arnold was exceptional. Yeah, he really was. You, you look at the body of work, 254 episodes and 74 of those were in black and white. Um, you know, even though the show did have some moments where they kind of like ran out of ideas for a little while, then they recreated something. It, it lasted for a long time. And it really was, you know, looking back, a wonderful show. And like I said, it could have lasted longer. Uh, it was Liz's decision to pull the plug. It was no longer a top 10 show, but ABC would have kept it on the air. But Liz wanted to go on to do other things. She was very tired of Samantha. Uh, in fact, she is looking forward. That's why Serena is used so much more often as the show ages. Uh, Serena's on almost every week in some seasons because it gave Liz something else to do. It gave her a chance to sing and dance. It gave her a chance to play someone a little evil and someone a little hippie-ish. And it, it gave her things to do. She was getting tired of Samantha. Samantha become this real goody goody put upon person. Uh, in fact, if you watch episodes as the show ages, Samantha hardly ever manifests magic anymore. Samantha is the straight man for everybody else. Well, that's nice. Except Elizabeth Montgomery was an incredibly good actor and she wanted to stretch her acting muscles. After eight years of this, she wanted to do other things. And she couldn't do it while she was attached to Bewitched. And Liz went on to do, I don't know how many TV movies in the 70s and 80s. And they were all excellent. Yes, she did one called Amos. I, I mentioned uh, when you talked about this before with Kirk Douglas. He was a man injured in a car accident, moved into a nursing home. And she was the lady running it. And she was worse than Nurse Ratched. And one threw over the cuckoo's nest. And people, when they saw that movie, just couldn't think of her as a nice person anymore because she was just the nastiest thing on the planet. That's Liz how good was, an actress she yeah, was. No, Liz was one of the very few people who had a career before their TV show. And she was in some very prestigious films mm -hmm. and prestigious television dramas. She was even on The Untouchables. I mean, she was really could do anything and to to be this character this iconic character and then walk away from it and play parts that are mean nasty film noirish uh psycho dramas yeah heart, heartbreak romances mother parts she did everything and anything and she did it well and being samantha didn't stop her it didn't get her so typecast. She really worked at yeah, it yeah. and was very successful. One of the very, very few who could do that. Was yeah, she was too good. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark. <laughs> 